What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. It was almost like, clearly, Lauren was the star, and it was very, very visible. Clef was like the genius when it came to musicianships and everything like that. And when you look at Prize, he was more like a businessman. So I think they all played their specific roles within the refugee camp. And the group dynamic was Clef would try anything. Lauren would debate you. Clef would be like, let's just try it and see what it is. And Prize would be kind of in and out was saying, yo, I think this works. And then when you see the debate going on, he just disappeared and come back like, yo, this is what I want to do. Oh, you want to do it? You want me to do it yet? All right, I'll be right back. Irrespective of what people thought of you or what people told you you could do or you could accomplish, you felt the cocoon-like atmosphere in the Booger basement where the rest of the world didn't matter because we were going to turn whatever we were going to transform those beats and those rhymes and those lyrics and those melodies and harmonies into, we were going to change that into something beautiful for our own appreciation. They were very motivational in, 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 that, in that spirit, in that camaraderie, in that coming togetherness. And that's what, and that's what I, I, I remember about that time and that's what I respect about their energy. Welcome to The Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. To another edition of the Vault Podcast, Classic Music Reviews, presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I don't have the normal crew with me today. I have some very special guests in the building in the vault with me here today. Of course, it's none other than some special friends and uh, fellow podcasters, creators of minds in this space. We'd like to welcome D and T from the Perfectly Imperfect Couple podcast to the Vault Classic Music Reviews, kicking it with us here today. D and T, how are y'all? And thank y'all for joining us. No problem. Hi, that was an awesome introduction. I feel like you need to do that for us all the time. That was hot. <laughs> Thank Hello. you. Hey, y'all. Hey, hey, listen. Well, I, I do, I do, I am for hire. So, you know, I, okay. and I do give discounts to people who come on as guests of the show. So I, I'd be willing to actually, you know, to land out my services. But they're here to kick it with me to y'all today. And the DNT. Their Perfectly Imperfect Couple podcast is a very dope show. Um, Thank you. And, um, and I've listened to it, became a fan. And they actually reached out to me as I put something out on social media to say that I was looking for contributors for this year, The Vault, because it's a stacked year. And they reached out to me. So we're going to be kicking it not just today, but for a few other podcasts in the future. So yeah. they're going to be here. They're going to be guests in The Vault. So... I'm looking forward to the discussion we have today and also in the future, y'all. So thank you again for joining us in the vault. And I'm looking forward no to this discussion today and as we have in the future. We want to take the time, of course, to thank all of our listeners as well. Host on Red Circle showing great numbers. Thank you to everybody, of course, subscribing to the YouTube channel as well. Continue to show love and get the word out there. And of course, as we always say here on the vault, 
Our motto was hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics. And today, it's a special one because um, this is something in the album that I'd really have to step back and say as a music lover that I critically underrated myself. I got to understand the importance of it listening to it this past week as I was talking to DNT before <laughs> I came up. So, uh, so funny you say that. Yeah. You know, I and, feel the same way. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is an album that I think many of us probably didn't get a full appreciation for at that time, regardless of whatever age we are at, because mm-hmm. it was something that we would never see again. And that is probably the most tragic part of this whole thing, because it was amazing. And what am I talking about? We're going to go back to 1996, February 13th, 1996, to be exact. And we're going to go to the second and the final studio album from the Fugees, the score, the final. Yes, the final album by the Fugees, the score released on Columbia Records, recorded between June and November 1995, a runtime of 60 minutes and 52 seconds. Roughhouse and Columbia Records, executive producer, Praz, also executive producer, Wyclef. Also executive producer, Miss Lauren Hill. Associate producers, Jerry T-Base Duplacis, Diamond D, John Forte, Sean King, Warren Riker, and the incomparable Salam Remy. In 1996, 25 years ago, it has been 25 years since we've had the Fugees put out music. And after listening to this, many of us would have thought, hey, we got many more albums to come from this trio. But just like that, it was all gone. But if you were going to go out, this is the way that you wanted to go out. (laughs) Absolutely. So funny thing is, mm -hmm. I I only thought it was only one album. I only thought they did one album. I never know they really did two until... I told you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she told you. you told me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because getting into the background of how the score came about, their debut album, Blended on Reality, which also was on Rough House and Columbia Records, came out in 1993 into 1994, and it was what they say, and I'm quoting, a critical and commercial failure. Mm-hmm. And it was. I, I mean, I was, when the Blunted on Reality came out, I was still in elementary school. So, but I remember listening to it and not being really blown away by anything. And the only thing I remembered from them was the Nappy Heads remix done by Salam <laughs> Remy. And that was it. But other than that, there was nothing else on that album that really caught your eye. So when you're a date, when you have a debut album flop, it's almost like the mark of death. Because back then, labels were spending big money on rolling out albums. And if you flop, chances of you getting a second album are probably slim to none. Oh, yeah, it was a done deal. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. Like, I never remember they had a first album. Yeah. And, and, like, and at yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, it was forgettable, to say the least. <laughs> and here's the crazy thing about it. Columbia doubled down for them recording the score. It gave them a $135,000 advance. Wow. In early 1995. And then not only that, back in 95, this is what we're talking about. They gave them complete artistic control for the follow-up album. 
Yeah, and they built a studio. Yeah. They built a studio, and uh, yeah. White Clef's, I did the same. <laughs> I was. I must have been reading the same articles you were. Yeah. Um, they did. The, they built a studio in um, White Clef's uncle's basement. Yeah, they did. They they bought recording equipment, got people, got the all these artists to be able to come in to do this follow-up album. But then to have the, the artistic control, especially from a label like Columbia, was allowing them to be able to have, you know, complete control over it artistically to do everything. So everything you're hearing on this album isn't anything from the label saying, oh, you got to do, we need this type of record or we need this type of song. Right. No, this is all them. That's what makes it so much more remarkable. It was a gamble, $135,000 gamble. Right. Yeah. Having that freedom is, at that time, I think in music, was saying a lot. Like, yeah. Not that many people got that much freedom. Not at all. Nor that much money to make whatever you want to. Not at all. Yeah. You can tell that the whole album is like a passion project. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can tell that they put their everything in that because of everything else that they were facing. So Mm. absolutely. Yeah, it was. And I want to read a quick passage from there was an article done in the ringer. Actually, I think it was posted today, as a matter of fact, by Musa. Okwanga and Musa Okwanga is a writer for the ringer. She originally from Uganda and had attended school in England afterwards. And their family left Uganda after fleeing the dictatorships of Idi Amin in the seventies to resettle in England. She uh, recounts when they were listening to this album, when they were in boarding school in England and this part struck me in particularly and to this sort of, speaks to what you just said in regards to what it was they were facing. It says this album sounded like old Testament old Mm -hmm. as if it could embed the soundtrack for the Jews when they left Egypt led by Moses and pursued by a vengeful Pharaoh. Even though the album contains several moments of lightness and outright hilarity, it had the overall air of a dignified and mournful retreat. This was the music I thought of people who had either seen or sustained major trauma Such genius, I believed, could only emerge from a place of pain. Mm -hmm. And and that stuck with me a lot. I think I read that line over three or four times. Like the pain, like the type of genius that emerges from pain that people, you know, that you experience. And we all, yeah. You could tell, I'm sorry to cut you off. You can tell. You could feel it. You can, and even going back and listening to it again, you can still feel it. Do you know what I mean? It's not one of those things that fades. That album is just, it stirs up lots of emotion. Yeah. Pain and, mm-hmm. and, and trauma, considering where Praz and Wyclef came from, from Haiti. You know, historically, especially ever since the revolution, one of the poorest countries in the Western Hemisphere. Considering what Lauren had been through in her life to rise from where she came from to get to this point where they were. Pain produces that type of genius. We always talk up sometimes when you hear albums like you like we talk about this with Mary J. Blige. It's like, oh, when she breaks up, you know, the next album's about to be fire because you can feel it. Yeah, you can Mm -hmm. feel it. (laughs) You can feel every word that comes out of her mouth. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think like mm -hmm. you. Even in the interview, I read like uh, Prize has said that when they was recording Ready or Not, it was the three of us was each going through some pain. Mm-hmm. Lauren was crying when she did her vocals. It was unbelievable to see her singing with tears coming out of her eyes. It was, it made me want to cry. So like that pain is definitely 
transcend time. It yeah. Comes through the airwaves like no other. Yeah. It's and I'm getting that image in my head of her possibly being in the booth, just singing like that bridge and the tears coming out of her eyes. And it's just like, wow, you can mm-hmm. sort of tell. I mean, you can you can tell when you hear it in her voice because. Wow. Yeah. It's and the bars. Yeah. Okay, well, wait, let me hush. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. I understand. El Boogie. El Boogie. Man, the leap that they took bars. during this album, all three of them, because that's what I discovered listening to it this past week, is that the leap that all three of them took from that first album to the second album was considerable. And her jump was the largest out of any one of them. Um, Absolutely. But not to be misstated, the jump that Proz and Wyclef made during that second album, too. I think they even like even 25 years ago, we sort of looked at it like this was this Lauren toward the force and it was nothing to have to do with the other two members of the group. But this was a complete effort and not just from Wyclef and Praz, but from John Forte, from the outsiders, from Diamond D, from uh, even the people doing the skits like Roz Baraka and talent. Yeah. <laughs> skits was hilarious. Yeah. Like, though, especially, what skit was that? The one where he's talking about getting the Chinese food. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. What, the, what yeah. Ch- the, the like, ch- we can talk about how un-PC that is. Yeah, the sign of the times. Like, you know, back then in 96, you could do a skit like that and people you would laugh. Could. And you it could. would be funny. But now. And I'm sure I yeah. did laugh. I'm sure I laughed hysterically <laughs> at the time. And then listening to it again, I was like, oh, no, don't do it. <laughs> so i know when i first heard that back in 96 and being like 14 years old and we'll get into this next part when i listened to that i think i rewound it so many times and i think i was laughing so hard and my mother was looking at me and was like are you crying about something are you like in pain is something wrong with you i'm just like no i just really i heard something really really funny and she's just like I'm crying laughing at that skit. And nowadays I'm sitting there looking like, okay, yeah, it's still, it's still funny. It's still funny, but damn, this is wrong. (laughs) It's funny is that my, um, my daughter, I was listening to it today again. Um, while my daughter and I were out this morning running errands and that part came on and she was like, Oh my gosh, mom, (laughs) mom, that's not okay. And I was like, Oh, cause I was laughing. I was like, it's not, you would, you know, be taken aback by it right now. Whereas at her age hearing that, I didn't think twice about it. I don't think, I think I just laughed. Yeah. So, F- F- FYI, B, we, my daughter is super sensitive to like oh. everything in the world, and so she tries she's to be a as teen pe- girl. Yeah, she tries to be as uh, as pro everything as yeah. so. as possible. Yeah. Nah, they're, they're better than us, man. They, do you know they're better kids oh, than we yeah. were? You know, we oh, were, yeah. we were we were horrible when it came to stuff to each other and about cultural sensitivities. They've they're don't they've learned a lot better than we have. So you know that's a good thing. So mm-hmm. yeah. But let's go back to then, to 96, and the two of you. And um, just give me an idea of, you know, when you heard it back then or close to that time, what you thought. And as were you listening to it this past week, getting ready to review it, what revealed itself to you in these 25 years since then? Baby, you want to go first? Sure. So uh, I'm about to give my age. <laughs> so back then. Okay. We all grown here. <laughs> so when this album came out, I was a sophomore in high school. Mm, okay. Um, and I don't know if I appreciated it at that point. Why did you look at me like that? 
No reason. Oh, I don't know <laughs> if I um, appreciated it at that time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I if I really did. Um, mm. I know that I remember it coming out. I know that I listened to it, but I don't know if it brought up as much emotion as it did when I was like, you know, when I got into college, I think is when I really dug into it more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like we were talking about pain, right? So I feel like that album, it kind of, it's not that you don't appreciate it. If you appreciate music, you know, it's like, oh, this is, this is a great album. But when you really have gone through some things and listened to that album and can feel that they feel every word of it, it hits you differently. So I think in college, when I was listening to it again and had gone through things in life, like it just felt different, even listening to it in preparation for this, it felt different, you know? So I, I think it's one of those albums that, like I said, stirred up so many memories and emotions and it's just it's a classic and you you bob your head to every song and yeah I remember it coming out I remember thinking oh my god Lauren Hill is so pretty and oh my god I can't you know and oh she got bars and all of those things but I remember revisiting it again when I was in college a couple of years later and mm. it hit a lot differently at that time yeah yeah what about you babe um I have a different experience with it i didn't as bnm introduced last week another album came out on the same day as this album and in mm-hmm. my best buy tuesday afternoon during lunch hour looking for cds to buy to listen to on, at school i picked a different album and i didn't pick this one mm. and so a friend of mine <laughs> that i grew up with he so I was always like the West Coast down South music lover. Mm. I grew up on like Too Short and A Ball MJG and Outcast, like all those things. I never really ventured into East Coast music. Yeah. Until East Coast, West Coast beef kind of thing. And I was like, I don't really like this stuff and whatever the case is. But my friend who lived down the street from my grandma, who I, my childhood friends, he was like a straight East Coast music person. Like, okay. And he was, he was like banging this like all the time. And so it was, I, you know, knew the songs from the radio and I heard all the different, the ones that they dropped, but like the actual meat of the album, I, I had to hear at his house, but I never did really get an appreciation for it until as bad as it's going to sound this week or like the last few weeks listening and preparing for this. And I was like, mm-hmm. eh, it wasn't that bad. I already knew like, Lauren Hill was good. You said and... it wasn't that bad? <laughs> is that what you just said? <laughs> Can we not? Okay. okay. This isn't our it. show, baby. Okay, it's that. You're right. It's cool. I'm Go sorry. right ahead. I'm right it's here. Okay. I'm listening. <laughs> Beth, you said, uh, it's not that bad. Yeah. Like, I, what? Like, I need you to respect El Boogie right now. Okay, go I'm ahead. Saying, like, hey. I can't get on nobody's show and express how I feel. Hey, I ain't in it. I'm not in it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. This ain't even our show. I know. I know. Go ahead. Jeez. You know, I was saying at that time, I was like, ah, it's okay as I listened to it. But then this week or this past few weeks, I've been listening to it, preparing for the show. I've been like, ooh, I slept on this for a while. Like a long while, but I slept on it. And I've, in this album, like really, I hear, all I hear is L Book. Like I, I'm, gra- I'm very glad you said in the introduction that 
you know, my Clef got better and Prize got better. Like they got better. But like when I hear this, mm-hmm. every bar that L Boogie spit is like, okay, that's another one. Yeah. <laughs> that's another one. And like she, I mean, it just, yeah, it felt, it felt really good. Yeah. This album came out second half of my eighth grade year. And it's funny, D, you mentioned the day that this came out that you grabbed another album. Now, I'll take All Eyes on Me for 500, Alex. Was that what you picked up? <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. I figured that much. Yeah, I figured that much. Now, back then, I wasn't buying CDs. I had to listen to rap through my headphones in my household. Uh, I grew up, you know, those of y'all who have listened, I grew up in a Caribbean household. Uh, my parents thought the rap album was trash. You know, uh, rap albums and rap music was trash. But luckily for me, I had older sisters, uh, many of them who were either in high school and I had two sisters that were like college age at that time. I listened to this album by getting the CD from one of my sisters. Nice. I remember the videos, especially from the first single with Fuji La, which I thought was a pretty cool song. Now I feel a whole lot differently about it now. Killing Me Softly was a big hit. Ready or Not was great. But then getting into the album, I sort of listened to it and I was like, yeah, you know what? This is actually pretty good. Like, this is a pretty good album. Like, it's solid. Um, I didn't really think a whole lot about Wyclef and Proz at that time. Like you said, it was all Lauren, Lauren, Lauren. Of course. I mean, obviously, she's a she's amazing. And we've known how amazing she was. This started like a hardcore three year period where she was golden. Everything that she put out, it was like the Midas touch. It, yeah. you, you couldn't stop anything with El Boogie put out. And by the end of that three-year period, she was the biggest thing in music. Not in hip-hop, in music. Yeah. But revisiting this, and I hadn't listened to this album much over these last 25 years. And I think it's because we think about the time period it came out. D, you said that you picked up All Eyes on Me when it came out in, in, on, on this day in 96. And 96 itself, if you were to ask me about the albums that I played over and over and over and over again, this is probably seventh or eighth on the list. And that includes the R&B albums I'm talking about during this year as well. My point of illumination came as I started listening to this album again, getting ready for it a couple of weeks ago. And I listened to it probably about eight or nine times. Just doing different things at home, in the car, listening to it, but really dissecting it. And what I noticed is, is that I severely underrated this album. And not Lauren, obviously. But I really underrated the contributions of everyone else that made this album become a reality. Wyclef. And listening to the things that he was saying, his bars. Praz, you know, while he's the, you know, obviously number three on the list of the three of them, no matter what. But he was executive producer on this and really led a lot of the direction when they were in the studio. Him and Wyclef. Seeing the things like Jerry Duplacis and what he did helping to produce the album. He was a bass player on this. Seeing Diamond D and his contributions on this. Seeing, hearing the outsiders on something like Cowboys. And then this is the first time that many of us had heard anything from Rod Digger, you know, which we would get yeah. to know plenty about her before the decade was up. Yeah. Um, But seeing the way that it's the name of the album, The Score, it all sort of hit me at this time. This was like a film. And the music was literally like the score of a movie. All those skits and everything that you heard was that was this was the movie. You know, yeah. the Chinese restaurant skit, you know, talks about 
kids getting shot on the corner and the police and everything else. Another thing that I noticed when listening to it is just how much of it now is still relevant, especially hearing songs like Zealots and hearing songs like The Beast and hearing songs like Family Business and The Mask. Like, wow. The Mask is so real. Yeah. Like, I've been listening to it and (laughs) and I listened to The Mask today. I was like, dang. Yeah. Run it back. Run it back. Run it back. And even when listening to this, I was like, wow. I said, you know what? This was not something that my 14-year-old mind can comprehend. Everything that they were talking about, the pain that produced this genius, the production which led to this art being created, the lyrics which illuminated so many different things for me now in my late 30s, that it's like having experienced so much pain and trauma and disappointment and seeing the things that happens, not just to me and those in my community, but around the world, seeing where Praz and Wyclef came from, seeing the environment that Lauren came from. And then not only that, seeing the growth of all of them individually as artists after this breakup, not only was that I severely underrate or narrate this, I think I also felt severely disappointed in the effort that this was the last that we would hear from them. And you know, you know what I was thinking though? Like, I feel like the score is one of those albums because I was thinking too, like if it, you know all of the Wyclef, um, Lauren stuff wouldn't have happened the way it happened, mm-hmm. um, and they would have you know stayed together to do another album. Is would everyone would have compared it to the score because it's such a yeah like classic? You know what I mean? I don't. It's one of those things where people will, will they have would they have even given it a chance? Right. You know what I'm saying? Because the other one was so good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like they left us with something great. They did. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think after being able to see what each one of them put out individually, because you saw the growth of each of them after this, like you saw Wyclef put out an album like The Carnival, which, you know, many people, I'm not going to sit there and say, you know, it's one of the best albums of all time, but it was a dope and a solid project. I mean, mm-hmm. Proz being able to do things like, uh, like, you know, made the biggest song of his career, which, you know, made him, a good amount of money and being able to step out of the booth and really be more of an executive. And let's not even talk about miseducation. I mean, right. <laughs> I right. mean, you're talking about one of the most impactful albums of all time, if any genre, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's, it was crazy. And, and the thing about this album is that it's not just a hip hop album. You know, this is not just something just hip hop. If you love hip hop, there's things for you to love here. If you love R&B, there's things for you to love here. If you love reggae, <laughs> there's things for you to love here. And I'm a big reggae head growing up in the Caribbean household. It was almost like opening that bottle of a 12-year bourbon or a nice finely aged wine, <laughs> you know. And be like, man. And then just just sitting and taking that first sip. And you're just marveling at the quality of what you just partook in. And then yeah. you set that glass down and you sit and you chill. And then you take that glass up two minutes later and you take another sip. And by the time you're done the glass, it's like you feel satisfied as if you just like this was something good. You know, yeah. like what you had was of the utmost quality. Like you felt like this was something good. And that's what I felt like. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, I, that's, a, that's a great analogy. I, yeah. I appreciate it. So we go from there to highlights. <laughs> and I'll I'll let either one of you go on your highlights. I mean, I know there's a lot, but just, you know, just a few of the highlights, things that you noticed of the songs and, you know, give me your highlights. Run them down for me. Um, my highlights would definitely have to be uh, quickly would be how many mics, the beats and the score. I think 
listened to the score at least like three or four times just today mm. and was like, man. Yeah. Man. Diamond okay. D. Diamond D. <laughs> does yeah. it again. He I, does it again. Yeah. I, I would say that those oh. would be my highlights. Your highlights. Okay. T, what about you? What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. My highlights were the whole thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, it's the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I think my highlights would definitely be zealots. I think that's a classic. I, it's so hard to choose Mm -hmm. y'all ready or not. Like, how can you not, you know, all the normal ones, um, how many mics? I, I don't know. I, I, there's all of it. I'm sorry. That's my final answer. That's your final answer. All of it. (laughs) Well, I, I would definitely echo that. And I, I would say all of it. I'm not even going to go with highlights. I'm just going to say my one low light has to be probably Mr. Mr. And that's it. And it's because yeah, I'm not, with that. I wasn't really I a big fan of that. But looking at the rest of the album, you run through stuff like that. I mean, how many mics? You guys talk about the beast. The beast is something that you think about all the things that have happened within these last few years when it comes to police brutality. And we talk about criminal justice, um, Malcolm, you know, misconduct, those type of things that we talked about in 96 years after Rodney King and 20 years before Alton Sterling and Philando Castile. And then the nameless ones before and after them, you know, um, all those different things. I mean, the Fuji La, like I said, I kind of, I thought it was an okay song back then. And this is might be that might be probably my second or third favorite song on there, and it's one of my favorite cuts from them all time, only because of the way that whole record came about. And then not only that, but the remixes at the end, while some people might kind of throw those away, but the fact that they actually remix these songs and not just over a different beat, but different verses and everything, throwing in a verse with John Forte on there as well. Um, my favorite song on the on the whole album is Family Business. Just the feeling of that song, just <laughs> the verses themselves, first of all, ring true. Every single one of them from Everyone. Omega from Omega to Wyclef to Lauren to John Forte. Just like, wow. Killing Me Softly is, is come on. <laughs> exactly. I, I remember I was out at a party one time and this song came on and literally the whole place stopped and synced it. Men, women, yeah. everybody. And it was just like, Wow. Like you, it, it, I think it's one of those songs where you can't help yourself but, but sing. I think today I was about to get out of the car to run some errands and I made my daughter sit in the car until that song went off because we, yeah. <laughs> I had to belt out all the lyrics. So it, for them. sure, yeah. All of them. Um, the score, great production by Diamond D. Um, he does it again, digging in the crates crew. Like, you know, what can you say? That's the, for the hip-hop stuff. Cowboys. That's probably my second favorite song on this. Um, because I love the way that how on all three verses, they, they, they found, you found somebody to go back and forth with pace Mm -hmm. one and Wyclef on the first verse, Rod Digger and (laughs) L completely murdering that second verse. Um, even young Z and prize during the third verse with John Forte at the end. It's just like, my goodness. (laughs) I forgot how far I ran that song back two or three times. The first time I listened to it, like when I listened to it a couple of weeks ago. Like, I was like, this is crazy. Especially L Boogie and Rod Digger. Like, what the hell? 
<laughs> I don't, and I don't even think the world really knew what they were getting at that time. Yeah, I mean, because you want to talk about two two of the illest. I mean, uh, we all know what Rod Diggers' work does. El Boogie themselves, like, I'm kind of mad that we didn't get more of that after I that. Know. You know? know? Um, but, you know, the No Woman, No Cry stuff, the, the manifest, the skits, I mean, obviously kind of played in the Chinese restaurant one, you know, aside. I mean, yes. <laughs> You know, it looked that God, was hilarious. You know, it, it it was hilarious. I felt terrible for laughing at it. Like I like I didn't laugh I as did hard. Too. I I did. I'm gonna be that guy and say I didn't. That was hilarious. But it's um having artistic control, this is what you can get when this you have three. You this is what you get when you have three motivated artists with the artistry and being able to do it without a label saying is, ah, oh, let's cut that song or no, let's do this type of song or, Oh, you have to have this type of person. Like, no, give us, they gave them money. They let them go to work. And this right. is what you get when you let them go to work. Yeah. And I, you could, this makes you really think of like some artists or some talent that doesn't get that opportunity. Like their, yeah. their songs are picked from what they make and, and then their their album just put out there, and then it never makes it right. Yeah. But like you give them this opportunity after they have that downfall, and then they create classic music. Yeah, they it's do. Crazy. It was a gamble, and they they the gamble definitely paid off. So I'm happy that Roughhouse and Columbia gave them the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. So now we move to notable quotables. You know, I, I got a bit of a surprise, I think, for a couple of you all. But, you know, whoever wants to go first, what's a notable quotable one or two if you have them? I got rap. No, I'm just kidding. No, nah, you don't have to. You don't have to. You definitely got a rap. You definitely got a rap. You don't have to. You got a rap. You don't have to. Funny, Babe, do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go okay, first. Go I'm not rapping, though. Okay. Um, mine's, <laughs> is, mine's is from the score. Lauren's verse from the score. She mm-hmm. said, I'm the L. Won't you pull it straight to the head with the speed of a bullet? Cutting ninjas down off the meek, fleek, gullet, lyrically seduce, sedative. Keep uh, ninjas. Is this meditated? No, that's not right. That's not the right word. <laughs> Whatever lyrics I got this wrong. Yeah. They got head rushes. I got, um, I give to creative kids and. In fiends, dreams of euphoria, aurora to another galaxy, psycho, psychedelic. No, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Be, be the microphone, but get lifted. I mean, this whole verse, mm-hmm. I, just the way she flows this, and I can never do her justice, so I just have to read it for what it is. But this whole verse, I'm sitting in the, I was, I was thinking y'all out my business, but I was sitting in the shower like, Wow. <laughs> we just missed like this music. Yeah. Like missed this music. Yeah. To to me, like listening to this whole album made me forget about like Lauren the singer. Mm. And was like, yeah. Lauren got bars. She had bars, cuz she, she had bars. And so I think this is when I heard this one, I was like, yo, this is my pick. Yeah. She's a musical unicorn. I saw yes. that when I was looking things up. Someone yeah. referred to her as a musical unicorn. And I that's, was like, yeah. that is exactly it. That's, that's appropriate. It. It's appropriate. Uh-huh. It is. Yeah. Yep. She is for yeah. sure. Well, T, what about you? Mine is easy. I told you all of my favorite album, I think, or song on the album is Sell It. And mm. so the, um, and even after all my logic and my theory, I nice. add a mother so you ignorant niggas hear, hear me. me. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. Because that, 
just that the whole album, they dropped so much knowledge that even I at that age probably missed. Yeah. And so just thinking like going back and making sure, you know, cause at that point you're like, well, let me go back and listen to what she said. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't want to be one of them ignorant ones. So yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like yeah. it's, it just her just being, I don't know the musical unicorn that she is and making sure that she has your attention mm-hmm. and that she is still showing that, you know, she's L boogie, you yeah. know, she can go there. But yeah. like I, she was, she was so much more than that too. Um, I think that that was that, I mean, you can't, that was it. Yeah. That, that Drop the mic. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. She was, <laughs> she, that line. And also the other one where it says, why now, why you're playing, acting like your Al Capone, I'll be Nina Simone and mm-hmm. defecating on your microphone. Defecating Those are probably two of the most frequented lyrics from this album from Lauren that I hear people <laughs> spit. Yeah. And Absolutely. they're appropriate. And they're appropriate. Um, they're appropriate. So Good I have, thing, I, yeah, that's, that's huh? a good pick. That's a good pick. That's a good that pick. Was my oh, second. thank you. Thank you. That was my second one. Good job. <laughs> okay. So I have two from Family Business, and it's Clef's first verse um, and Lauren's verse on here. Uh, Clef says about these days, it's hard for we to find a peace of mind. Between insanity and sanity, there lies a thin line. Some dwell in hotels with Jezebels, a stone age and fall a victim to the plague. Unclean bad dreams of why Clef being a fiend. One last quit of kiss from my sweet serpentine. Eliminate, break, navigate to rejuvenate thoughts of suicide with my nickel plate. Reconciliation came from my enemy friend who said, family don't bend. We stay silent till the end. Now, who would think that your best friend would be your worst enemy and your enemy, your best friend? Staring to the air, inspiration from the atmosphere. I think of old ghosts that ain't even here, like Alex Haley. Take notes of this biography. My family tree consists of street refugees. A ghetto lane where we talk slang. Stolen cards bang like my chitty bang, bang, shebang for the heads. We ain't selling cocaine today. So refrain and let my family reign okay. And yeah. then and then Lauren's verse, I mean <laughs> Lauren's verse, my circle, it can't be broken, open, cut, throat, and provoking. Record promoting tokens, choking on the words like smoking, cause we soft spoken. Doesn't mean that we've forgotten your booty smell rotten. And one day you will be gotten. My arm see jokers is scattered brain. Their focus is unrestrained. My army is trained. You never find us beefing in vain. Cause I've seen fire and I've seen rain. You claim the fame where modest niggas remain. I can judge a character like Edo judge a verdict. And if you bring in threats, I give you sex if you ain't heard it. See, popping shit ain't your attitudes and how you word it. I've seen the biggest niggas on the blocks get murdered and they deserved it. <laughs> or so the B said when they served it. That shit is nervous. So what's my purpose? Family, we must preserve it. Your number's retired. You better hope like hell fires. You'll be screaming murder. She wrote like Shaka Demas and Pliers. I mean, this 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 is my favorite song on this album. It was even back then, and it's still now. A lot of quotables on here, and the quotables to me stick to me a lot more now because of what I've experienced in life. Um, Absolutely. And the, um, I'm sorry to cut you off. I mm-hmm. keep cutting you off. It's okay. The, <laughs> Welcome to our show. <laughs> Welcome to the show, B. This is how it always is. It's so good, as, man. Go right ahead. Go woman, right ahead. As a woman, the um, line in manifesting where Lauren mm-hmm. said, "Like that's my friend. That's my that's my best friend, Lauren." Yeah. Um, or she, <laughs> nothing left. He stole the heart beating from my chest. I tried to call the cops. That type of thief they can't arrest. Mm. I went back on that so many times. Yeah. Because you like heartbreak and yes. oh gosh, she 
she just knew how to speak to you. So yeah, sorry, I just had to throw that one in there for all the um, girls out there. No, of course, that that sticks with you for that, sure. That stuck with me too when I listened to Manifest, and every time uh-huh. I hear it, that particular line sticks with me. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, talk a little, little bit about the legacy of this album. Uh, this album won in 97, won the best rap album. Killing Them Softly won the best R&B performance by a duo. Uh, this was up for album of the year in 1997 as well. This originally, when The Source came out, gave it a four mic rating. Those of y'all know The Source rating, it came out four mics. Um, Not a little source, man. Yeah, but after when after some time, I think in their 15-year issue, or it might have been their 20-year issue, they actually went back and re-rated this to a five mic rating. Five mic wow. rating being a, a certified classic. Sort of speaks to the legacy of the album. I always kind of thought that, you know, what the Fugees were, I was hoping that that's what I thought that Black Eyed Peas was going to be. Um, oh. You know, yeah. and for those of us who were old enough to remember when Black Eyed Peas was just starting out, you were hoping that that was sort of like, you know, what they would turn into and they morphed into something completely different than that. Completely <laughs> which, different. Um, which, I mean, for, for a certain audience is fine, but for those of us who sort of knew them as a hip-hop group, it was, you know, I mean, well, good for them. Good for them in their pockets, you know, but um, the I, they, they're really, exactly. I really thought that um, it would have been great. Talk about the best albums of the Fergie's year. not a... Um, mm, no. no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. She isn't. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm-mm, not at all. She isn't. Uh, I just had to say it. I had to be the one to put that out there. You no, did. She <laughs> is. Thanks, thanks, babe. Thank you for your contribution. I mean, she's great in her own way, mm-hmm. right? Thanks, babe. She's, you know, you can't dig out of this one. No, she's it's okay. Not she's Lord not. Hill, that's all. She isn't. You know, <laughs> she ahead. isn't. Wrong wrong skin color and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. No, no. No comparison. No comparison whatsoever. Um Best albums of the year. This showed up on a lot of different lists, um, particularly on Rolling Stones, best 500 albums of all time. When they just released the list again in 2020, the album was ranked 134th on the 500 greatest albums of all time, which mm-hmm. is telling because it's right. in front of a lot of albums that you would think it would be, it would be behind, but okay. it sort of just speaks just to the legacy of the group. And the fact that this was the last time that we had music from them and they would go on to do their individual thing. I was reading in an article earlier today that, you know, because the breakup was so acrimonious, they've refused to come back to record together. And they've even refused six and seven figure deals to even get together to rec- to do tours and, re- and do their hits. Um, yeah, I, money, yeah, you know, a- it just shows you just how bad the breakup was. And, um, we know what's been going on. I mean, Wyclef doesn't at a, at a certain point really didn't need much money. Um, Lauren recorded one of the greatest albums of all time, and then mm-hmm. she fell off the map. Um, and then she made a habit of showing up to concerts two and three hours late. Yeah. <laughs> and I was actually at one of those concerts. Oh, oh no. Um, she wasn't the only act there. As a matter of fact, in 2010, I was at Meriwether Post Pavilion, which is right outside of D.C., for those of y'all who aren't from the area. And it was the Rock the Bells concert. There were a lot of people produced, I mean, who were performing. Rakim, KRS-One, DJ Premier did a DJ set, Tribe Call Quest, Wu-Tang, Snoop Dogg. But she was supposed to be one of the performers. She was having a band. They set up her band and everything. Forty Like 20 minutes passed. 
30 minutes pass, 45 minutes pass, and the crowd starts getting rec- restless. They take the instruments off of the stage <gasps> <laughs> and then put Tribe Called Quest on because she wasn't there. Then after Tribe, they put the instruments back on the stage. 20 minutes pass, 30 minutes pass, 45 <laughs> minutes pass. Eventually, the musicians come out and they start playing, and then eventually she comes out and she performs. And it was less than stellar. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I heard that too. Not only has she been like hours late, yeah. but her performances haven't been the best. And that makes me sad. Yeah. Because, girl, don't you know who you are? Right. I don't know. Well, sad. I think she, well, and that's, and the thing is like, because of the dispute that she has with the, with the record label, she can't even perform her songs as the way they were recorded. Hence the reason why she records with the live, which she performs with the live band. And right. what you're hearing are not the actual grooves from the song that she did. A lot of them from miseducation. So, you know, but, and uh, they, they've sort of made a name for themselves, but gosh, man, if you're going to go out, go out with this, right? So, absolutely, you know, so yeah. the, the final part of this, one last thing that we do, obviously we know we give the final test, the final verdict um, to see what it is you think about it. You know, uh, our ratings that we do here, is it a certified classic? Is it a borderline classic, a classic just in this time, or is it not a classic at all? And then we also see how you feel about it. Seven that you're ten that you feel really strong about it, and seven that you're not as strong with it. So anything in between then. So I'll start with either one of you. What either one of you say? Uh, what is it to you? You're certified, borderline, just in this time, or not at all? And then seven to ten, how strongly do you feel about it? I'm going to say this, and I'm probably going to get shot. So <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Um, and I, I, I'm going to tell you what I think it means to me. I think it was an underground classic. Okay. And I say that is because I think it, for me, mm-hmm. um, when it came out, I was all about all eyes on me. And so then when this came out, I don't think I really, like, I, I really didn't get the feel for it. Mm-hmm. But then now, like now I'm like, oh, I just missed 25 years of good music. Yeah. And I, so to me, it was like an underground classic because it, it slid under there regardless of like what other people said. And I knew like other people were listening to it, but I was like, ah, it's all right. Mm-hmm. I move forward, but then when I really now get the time to really appreciate it and listen to it and vibe out with it, I was like, yeah, I, I missed this one. This mm-hmm. is one of the ones I missed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, and so where would I rate? Like if. Yeah. I mean, I feel good about the. I would say it's an eight because everybody gonna say me it was a classic out the gate, mm-hmm. and that's cool. And I get that. I'm pretty sure it was, but for me, it just wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a classic at the time. It wasn't until later on that I really appreciated it. Gotcha. Did she just give it an eight? Yeah. No. Oh, I thought you gave it an eight. I was about to say. We I gave it, it an eight on my rating, babe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Can, can I judge my, can I get my feelings? <laughs> yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> Just these, these are my feelings. <laughs> Y'all were funny. <laughs> I am going to agree with you that it is, I would say it was an underground classic that has turned into a certified classic. Mm-hmm. So it's as the years have gone on, have, you know, people are starting to appreciate it more and more and more. And it's one of those albums where you can't help but listen th- to it all the way through. You're not skipping songs and you're bobbing your head and trying to sing. You know, that's to me is um, is one of the qualifications of being a classic. And so mm. I would say, yes, I think there were a lot of people that slept on it when it first came out. Um, and 
you know, it slowly became that underground classic as it started catching on um, and has turned into a certified classic. Absolutely. And because we all know that I love me some Lauren Hill, um, I'm going to definitely give it a 10. Mm. Okay. What? Nice. Nothing. I'm making sure my I did my rating right. Yeah, he's nice. um he's giving me dirty looks across the table. I'm not giving you dirty looks. Hey. Okay. I, I'm, I, I'm not there, so I can't I can't say. So you know, and if I was, and if I was, my head would be in my phone because you know I don't get in between couple disputes or nothing like that. This is what we do. This I know. Is what we do, I know. Y'all. This is what we do. I know. I've heard the pod. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but um, to me. Uh, I think I'm along the same lines, probably as both of you. I think that, I, like I said, I underrated this when it first came out. Listening to it over these last couple of weeks, I it's to me, it's definitely a certified classic. And it goes beyond just hip-hop for me. It mm. goes, because of the there's so many different genres that this touches on, not just hip-hop, but also R&B, also reggae, also, you know, those influences of what you hear from the backgrounds that, Praz and Jerry and Wyclef had that would eventually serve them later on. But then you look at, you know, the samples and things that they use from the music, the, they did the samples and the redos and the covers justice, but then also the impact that this album has had in regards to who was made at music afterwards, this really launched into the consciousness another group of people who didn't know about Lauren Hill, they found out about Lauren Hill. It, it launched a career for Wyclef where he became a Grammy That's award a winning, a Grammy award winning producer and artist himself and somebody who has produced many different other artists and has crossed over into so many different other genres as well. It took prize and made him an executive and somebody who, you know, really helped to guide the direction of this along with Wyclef and Jerry and after listening to it now, like you guys said, like this, this is the type of music that I miss. And I missed it partially because I was so into so many different other things in 96. But after listening to it this past week, I'm like, yo, certified stamp it. Number 10, no matter without a shadow of a doubt. Um, this is something that now I know I need to revisit again and again and again. And then eventually when I have kids, um, this is going to be one of Pass those things. Hey, look. This is something I need to get on vinyl, <laughs> you know, like I'm starting to collect vinyl. Ooh, this is yeah. something I'm like, my next move is going to be to look for this on vinyl and put this in uh-huh. my vinyl collection, you know? So it, it, that's where I'm at with this certified classic number 10 without a shadow of a doubt, yes, babe. you know? So thank you. Thank you. B. Cause now she's looking at me like, I told you I wanted a record player. This is the reason why that all just happened a second ago. So thank you. Hey, you gotta do it, man. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. That's what I said. That's what I said. And I was looking too at, um, I was trying to see when sister act came out and that was in, that was after, that was after the album was released. No, before. Before the Sister yeah, Act came before. out, and Sister Act Two came out in '94. Okay, um, so that, it was before. Mm-hmm, it was before, and um, I don't think any of us really even knew Lori can sing until then either. You know, right. until Sister Act, and then it was just like, wow, she really she can sing, sing like mm-hmm. you know. And, and we that yeah. was a funny thing. We it came on, and we were like watching it, or we seen it on somewhere together, and I was like, dang, Lori, yeah, really. 
Mm-hmm. You know what? Just thinking, I was thinking about it because I was like, is that the reason why I even picked up the Fuji's album is because of Sister Act? And mm. I think it, I wasn't, didn't go to a very ethnic school, you all. And mm-hmm. so, you know, <laughs> you, you, you had to find these little gems. And I think I saw her in um, Sister Act, which is the reason why I've, I even picked up the Fuji's album. Yeah. It's because of Sister Act. So, yeah, that's interesting. Making me reminisce over there. Yeah, and, and last little nugget before we we close things out today. Um, the okay. score by the Fugees, best selling hip hop album for by a group. Now you think about all the yeah. groups that have come by: Tribe Called Quest, Wu Tang Clan, both things, both things in harmony. No, them six million records, six million records yeah. in the U.S., twenty two million worldwide. That's legacy. Yeah. That's a real legacy. <laughs> That's a legacy. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we are, guys. As we know, we're about to wrap this up and wrap up the vault. But before we go, I got to thank DNT once again from the Perfectly Imperfect Couple Podcast and thank get you. them a chance to shout out. Guys, tell everybody where they can find you all, where they can listen to your podcast. Shout out social media, website, anything else to hold on. Go ahead and give it to people. Give them what they want. We can do that. Thank you for having us. It was a lot of fun. So let me start off with that. Thank you so much for having us. You're Hopefully you, you we didn't like take over and, you know, mess up your format here. No, um, no. <laughs> babe, tell them how they can reach us. All right. Well, you can reach us uh, or you can always email us at perfectly imperfect couple dot 17 at gmail dot com. We're on Facebook. You can look for a perfectly imperfect couple and just join our community page. We post a lot of our questions and things that come up with the show and things that are happening with us in there. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. Our Instagram is perfectly underscore imperfect underscore couple underscore 17. <laughs> it's a lot of underscores, but we wanted it. Um, and then we got Twitter is perfectly imperfect and only one E and that's the last one. We are also everywhere you podcast. There's no, there's nowhere that you could possibly podcast that you can't find us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Twitch, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You can even ask Alexa or Google to play the perfectly and perfect <laughs> yes. couple podcasts, and we there for you. Yes. And we're also on Street Science Radio. It is an internet-based radio station on Thursday, 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern. You can download uh, Street Science Radio in the iOS app store or on Google play. Well, job, babe. no service required. You just download <laughs> and hit play. There you go. Bang. D and T That's of the what? perfectly imperfect couple podcast Yay. here in the vault here with us again. Got to thank them. Don't worry, y'all. This is not the last visit they'll have. They'll be back with us once again to break down a lot more classic albums this year. So we like to have them back. Forward to it. Thank yeah. you. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you check us out on our new host on Red Circle. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to The Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming sources. If you go to the bio in any one of our social media pages, you can get to our link tree. You can find us on Instagram or at Vault CMR Podcast, on Twitter at Vault Classic, and on Facebook and YouTube, search The Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like the Facebook page, follow and interact with us on social media. We do it here all for you. We appreciate all the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we'd like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace.
Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co.